What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you in your walk toward eternity and your walk toward becoming the particular saint that God our Father desires for you to be. Disclaimer, I'm not perfect, so every now and then my advice might not be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to become a saint. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that he can give you the graces to fulfill the demands of discipleship. Okay, so the show goes, if you're a first-time listener, you hit me up with three to five questions per episode dealing with anything and everything from morality, apologetics, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, relationship advice, the list goes on and on and on. I would then respond to those questions, and then you hit me up with follow-up feedback by giving me comments, critiques, and more questions at AskFatherJoshAscensionPress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can help more people find out about the show by sharing us on your social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, the Twitter, and everything else that is out there. This helps people find out about the show, so if it's a gift for you, potentially, it could become a gift for them as well. On today's show, we're going to talk about a number of different really cool topics like discerning what is best for us in this season of our life with regards to our spirituality, daily mass, our personal prayer. Also, how do we tell our family about our choice to actively discern a vocation to the religious life. And finally, addressing our own selfishness or perceived selfishness that other people in the community tell us they see in us. But before we get into those topics, I want to share with you a glory story. So my glory story, it comes from uh, this, this past week. I, uh, I Gosh, we had a staff retreat with Chris Benzinger. He's Michelle Benzinger's husband. Michelle Benzinger is from our sister podcast, Abiding Together with Sister Miriam James and Heather Kim. And uh, her husband, Chris, came out to my staff this past week at Holy Rosary and gave us one of our, our best retreats that we've ever had. I mean, the staff really enjoyed it. He was phenomenal. But one of the things that he shared with me before the staff retreat that really rocked my world was about the way he approaches God in prayer. And I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this because it was really, really cool. And I think it might be good for you to hear. So one thing that Chris does, a practice that he he has, is, is pretty much based on the story of the prodigal son, right? Luke 15, the son comes back to the father and the son has a lot of stuff he wants to say to the father. And the father just wants to celebrate the son. The father just wants to celebrate and delight in his son. And that's how the Father wants to, to love on us. When we go to prayer, sometimes we have a lot of stuff that we want to say. We have a lot going on in our own hearts, a lot going on with our families, a lot going on with our friendships and relationships, a lot going on in our work, our ministry. And we go to God, and we have all the stuff we want to say, and the Father's like, yo, just stop. Let me, let me celebrate you right now. Let me delight in you. Let me, look, let me look at you. Let me love you. And so one thing that Chris does is, like, in the span of an Our Father prayer, he just, like, he just like leans into all the scriptures where the Lord pretty much like woos us and the Lord speaks truth to us of who we are and whose we are. You're my beloved son. Father, they're your gift to me. It was not you who chose me, but I chose you. While we were sinners, sinners, Christ came and died for us. The Lord delights in us. The Lord rescues us, right? All these beautiful scripture passages. And after he chews on those passages from the word of God, from the voice of our, of our Savior, he just rests in that. And then, right, he might continue with the, whatever was on his heart beforehand, or he might just like rest in that for a long time. And he always begins and ends his prayer that way. And so this, this past week, I had just an incident where um, I, I was offended by somebody. Somebody offended me, and, uh, and 
And I remember thinking like, okay, Josh, I don't want to brood because brooding is not good. Brooding is of the devil. Brooding is not of the Lord. And so I was, I was like, okay, God, how, how did I used to deal with this whenever someone offended me, whenever someone insulted me, whether it was intentional or unintentional? And I was brought back to my old spiritual director, my senior Bill Fitzgerald, who I used to call all the time. And he would never answer. He would never answer the phone the first time I called because he wanted me to hear his voicemail. His voicemail says something like this. Hey, you've reached my senior Fitz. I want you to know that your phone call and you are very important to me. Uh, but um, I also think that if you are calling to tell me something that you haven't talked to God about, you should probably hang up the phone right now and go to God first and then call me back. And then I'll answer the phone. Right. Because he wanted us to always go to God first. Go to God. And so I was like, okay, you know, my senior Fitz is, is dead now. I can't go to him if I want to via phone. So I went to the Lord. And when I went to the Lord, the Lord brought up that memory of Chris Benzinger being with us this past week. And just what he said about prayer and just receiving the Father's delight. And so I rewrote my attention away from the situation, away from the offense, and on to the face of God. And as I was looking at the face of God, I was able to perceive the Father's delight and that was so much more important to me than anything any person could ever do because people are passing and God is not passing. And so I experienced this peace, this interior peace that day. But then, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, I woke up the next day and I was already back to brooding. I was like, I cannot believe this person did this. Like, that was so inconsiderate and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I knew I didn't want to bruise, so I reached out to a few friends and said, hey, can you pray for me? Can you intercede for me? Um, and, and they did. And then I was in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, and while I was adoring the face of Jesus, not even focusing on this stuff, I was just adoring Jesus to be with the Lord, to just praise him, to give him adoration, to be in his presence. As I was looking at his face, I was once again able to perceive his voice, and this time what I perceived was, again, the Lord allow me to, to know how much he delights in me. Just like, Josh, I love you. I delight in you. I've chosen you. I've called you by name. You're my beloved. And then the, the Lord, what I perceived was, share with me that, you know what? Bottom line is, whenever he looks at me, when he gazes on me, he doesn't focus on all my imperfections and all the mistakes I've made in my relationship with him. He is focused on how much he delights in me. And so what I, what I kind of perceived in prayer was the Lord inviting me to imitate him. Right? Adoration should lead to imitation. And if the Lord can look at me and delight in me in the midst of all the stuff that I've done to hurt him, then why should I not be able to look at other people who have hurt me intentionally or unintentionally and not be able to delight in them as well, right? If I've received the gift, I should be responsible to share the gift. And so it totally changed my perception of the whole event. And I was able to look at this other person, this necessary member of the body of Christ, and I was able to delight, to delight in the person because the Father and the Lord delights in me. So that's my glory story. Maybe you might be in a similar situation today where someone has offended you, and I just want to encourage you to go to the Father and listen to the Scriptures the voice of Christ proclaim how much the Lord loves you. And if God says that we're a gift to Jesus from the Father, then, man, that's that's more important than anything anyone else could say or do to us. So that's my glory story. The Father's delight is healing. It's so healing. So shout out to Chris Benzinger for that great insight. All right. Follow-up feedback from previous episodes. First one comes in from Catherine. Catherine. She says this, Hi, Father Josh, thank you so much for the suggestion to pray night prayer along with you and the young adults on your YouTube channel. It's absolutely beautiful. I was wondering, what is the book that you all have and are praying from? Uh, does it have all the words and music that you are all singing together inside of it? I only have one experience with this type of night prayer, and all I can remember was frantically flipping around from page to page in this huge book 
while feeling very lost in the process. Thanks for any help you can give. Yeah, so the book that we're praying from is the Liturgy of the Hours, uh, the Breviary. There's a four-volume Breviary, and there's a Christian prayer book. Um, but every four-volume, if you just get like one volume of the Breviary, of the four-volume, night prayer is always the same. Every Monday is Monday, every Tuesday is Tuesday. So you will do a lot of flipping around if you... Um, are praying morning prayer or evening prayer or office, but if you're just praying night prayer, it's, it's literally back to back. Um, you can also download it on your phone. The iBrevery has night prayer on there every day if you have a smartphone, and uh, it does not have the the music to it, but the, it has the words. And so, if you listen to the music, the chant from YouTube, you'll pretty much be able to pick it up eventually and um, and be able to just follow words and sing the music. So, I hope you uh, can continue to join us when we pray night prayer on YouTube or on television or however you watch us, uh, because it is the prayer of the church for the good of the church. Um, also, I got some feedback from M. I like that M. M writes this, I just finished a recent episode on baptisms with same-sex parents, helping family understand church teaching and overwhelming guilt. And I wanted to offer some additional advice to Todd, if he would like it, if he would find it helpful. It may be that he is also dealing with a need for self-forgiveness. I know that for some, after years of habitual sin or being away from the church, Christ, it may be difficult to forgive oneself even after having received absolution. To that, I recommend two options for reflection. Number one, Read St. Faustina's diary, which relays just how amazing and effective God's mercy is for us. And number two, check out Mother Angelica on YouTube talking about confession. Literally, just search Mother Angelica Confession and listen to how this beautiful nun reflects on the sacrament. She often addresses shame, self-forgiveness, pride, and other issues we often have regarding confession with humor, wit, and wisdom. Uh, M, yeah, thank you so much, M, for that that positive feedback. And shout out to Mother Angelica. I'm sure she will be a canonized saint at some point in the near future. All right, let's get into today's topics. First question comes in from a discerning friend. A discerning friend writes this, uh, telling family your discerning religious life. Hi, Father Josh. I'm a 20-year-old cradle Catholic, and I'm about to be a junior in college. I recently felt a pull to discern religious life. And I'm currently working on finding a spiritual director. Is this something I should be telling my family and friends at this point? My family is Catholic, but we never really talk about our faith, unfortunately. I have one sister who shares zeal with me, and we've talked about this a lot. But I don't know how or even if it's appropriate to break the news in a sense to my parents and other siblings. It seems sketchy to me to not tell them about a huge leap of faith I'm embarking upon. But at the same time, I'm worried they were... They won't understand, or that if I decide not to enter, then I'll have worried them over nothing. I also feel this way about one of my very best friends who describes herself as a disaffiliated Catholic. I know that she would legitimately be mad at me if she knew I was thinking about doing this. I'm just not sure how to go about this, and any advice you have on the topic would be so helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, so, I mean, freedom, it's still soon, right? So if you don't have a spiritual director yet, I would wait before telling my family until I get a spiritual director to continue to have someone to walk with, to pray with in this journey. But telling your family, um, it, it could be something beautiful, right? Um, it might invite them to to be a lot more intentional in their prayer. A lot of people that I know, once they begin actively discerning priesthood or religious life, their families also begin to go through conversions. Um, if you did tell your family, um, I, here's how I would not break the news to them. One of my, my very best friends, whenever he told his family that he was going to go to seminary, he came home one day uh, with his now ex-girlfriend. At the time, they just broke up because um, he, he, he talked to her about it, and they decided to break up so he could discern. And 
And so he went to his mom and dad's house, and he said, Mom, Dad, um, me and, and so-and-so have something to tell you. And <laughs> his mom just about passed out, and she's like, oh, no. <laughs> Wait, what are you going to tell me? So she thought that they got pregnant. And uh, and and they're like, no, we're not pregnant. I'm going to seminary. <laughs> and they were like, well, why did you say me and you know so-and-so have something to tell you? And he was like, well, because it's like she's so close to us. I, th- I thought that it would help if she was here. And so yeah, I wouldn't like bring your boyfriend to the house and say, you know, me and Billy have something to tell you all. Um, I would definitely not do that. Maybe what you could do is you could watch a beautiful video called For Love Alone. You could download it on iTunes. It's a beautiful like 15-minute video. Uh, put out by a bunch of different religious communities about the gift of religious life, about being a bride of Christ. And uh, and after you watch that video, you could just share your heart with them about how you're open to discerning this vocation, how you feel an inclination and invitation from the Holy Spirit to go on this route. And you like for them to accompany you with prayers, but to have no expectations, like in case he's not calling to this vocation and not inviting to be a saint by being a religious sister or a nun. Um, you could also tell them what, what my parents were, were told by me, which is this. I'm not saying that I'm going to be a priest by going to seminary, right? Whenever you go to seminary, you're going to a place that is conducive to discern the priesthood. It's not conducive to discern the priesthood at a, at a public university, right? Like at LSU or at Southern, you discern the priesthood in seminary. That's the place that's conducive. The same rule applies for religious life. It's very difficult to discern religious life if you're not actively spending time with a particular community of religious sisters. And so the only way you're going to know is if you go. Uh, and so uh, you're not saying you're going to be that because you go, you might find out, hey, look, I'm not called. I know a number of my brothers in seminary. They were in seminary for seven years. And in the seventh year, right before diaconate ordination, they discerned that they were not being called to be a priest. And many of them have been married since and have a bunch of kids. And it's awesome. And uh, the same rule applies for religious life. So you're free no matter what. You're free to go. You're free to tell your parents. You're free not to tell your parents. As far as your friend who might be offended, I would not be concerned with her opinion of you. Uh, if she's a real friend, then if you told her that you were discerning religious life because you feel God might be inviting you to be a spouse, uh, then this could be something that might awaken something in her heart to have a deeper conversation and a deeper um, uh, examination of her own heart and her own walk toward eternity. So it can only be a gift. God w- would use anything and everything that you shared as a gift in some way, shape, or form for your family and your friends. I would caution you to be aware of the vice of pride, being too concerned with the opinions of others, you got to trust. Opinions of others are passing just like other people are passing. If the Lord is calling you to something, that's huge. If he's inviting you to discern a vocation to religious life, that's a great gift. And uh, I would be more in awe of the invitation than I would be concerned about what people might say or think or do in response to my yes to the Lord. So I hope that was helpful for you. Let me know. Hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. And let's uh, continue this conversation. All right, continuing, continuing the conversation, our next question comes in from another female whose name is someone who is trying to become a better person, aren't we all? So this person writes about selfishness. Hey, Father Josh, my boyfriend and I are both in our mid-20s. Before this relationship, my spiritual life was going very well, and at some point, I was discerning religious life. Shout out to all the religious vocations. Uh, he was not the cause of my spiritual downfall. He's actually the one that takes me to confession and adoration now. But there have been plenty of recent types where my relationship with God has been non-existent. I feel like I haven't and can't go back to the place I was before spiritually, even in the slightest. Also, 
I've always been very independent and ended up building barriers in my relationship, which ended up hurting my boyfriend emotionally many times. Although I've improved in many ways, he still says that he feels like I don't care about his feelings sometimes. There are times where he tells me how he feels and I just don't know what to do with that information. He describes me as selfish, which is not a lie, uh, because I always think about myself first, where he's very selfless and always puts me first. I want to know your opinion on what you think I could do to become a better girlfriend, how I can improve in my spiritual life, and how we can improve in our spiritual lives together, which I think is something we are both missing. Sign someone who is trying to become a better person. All right, so a few things. First, off the dome, do not compare yourself to the way you used to be. What I experienced in a lot of my former college students is this. When they were in college, they were able to do holy hours and daily mass and just pray in certain ways that once they entered into the work world and had big boy and big girl jobs, they were no longer able to do that. Or they got married, had kids, and they at first experienced like real depression about what they weren't able to do. Man, I'm not holy. I can't pray anymore the way I used to pray. I can't get up to go to adoration because my kids are screaming or because my job won't let me. And I can't make it to daily mass anymore. And, and, and I'm not holy. It's like, no, no, like you're, be holy in the present moment in this new season of life. All right. So do not worry about the past. Like when I was in seminary, I used to pray for hours upon hours upon hours. I used to, I, I, I had like this gift of intercession for people where I would like literally spend like four hours interceding for people. I can't do that as a priest. I'm too busy. I have a parish. I have responsibilities. I'm on the Diocese of Presbyteral Council. I'm on the Commission for Racial Harmony. I work with Ascension Press, right? I don't have time to, to spend four hours nonstop in intercessory prayer. The Lord does get a good hour in the morning, and then the rest of the day, he and I are ta- like constantly speaking with each other. Um, but to get four hours is something that's just not conducive for my very active diocesan priesthood. I don't compare myself to the past. I ain't worried about that. This is where I am today, and that's good. And the same should apply for you. Like, don't look at the past. You do need a spiritual life, but, like, don't look at how it used to be whenever you were discerning religious life. Now, as far as how it should look, I would say something consistent, same time, every day, right? 30 minutes. Can you try 30 minutes? Begin at 15 minutes, like working out. Like, you don't begin with heavy weights. Start with 15 minutes a day, and maybe after a month of praying for 15 minutes consistently, then move it up to 30 minutes. Uh, but try to do it at a time that's conducive for you. Again, I always recommend the morning, but look, it's up to you to discern what works best for you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. As far as what your boyfriend is saying about feelings and your lack of feelings and emotional insensitivity, I would really encourage, as I prayed for y'all, y'all both to read a book called The Temperament God Gave You. The Temperament God Gave You. Learn about your own temperament, phlegmatic, melancholic, choleric, and sanguine. Discern which one you are, what's your primary, what's your spouse's, your girlfriend, your boyfriend's primary temperament, what's the secondary temperament. And when you learn about your temperament, in that book, you can also learn about how uh, you can love the other person. You can also look at something Ascension put out years ago, um, and it's on YouTube. Just type in the temperaments in Ascension. And, and one of our collaborators did like a four-part video series on the temperaments. Um, and so, again... Everyone has temperaments. They are all manifestations of God. The saints write about this. St. Thomas Aquinas talks about this. St. Augustine talks about this. This is not some new age stuff. So learn your temperament, learn his temperament, and that can help you love each other better. Another secular book that might be helpful is uh, The Five Love Languages as well, just to discern what your love language is, what his is, and what yours is not, what his is not as well. Finally, ask him, like, yo, what's up? Like, tell me, what specifically do you want me to do with the information you're telling me? Like right now you're telling me I'm, I'm selfish. Right now you're telling me that I am not responding to your emotions the way you would like. 
How would you like me to respond and give me some concrete answers? That way I can work on it, right? Don't just tell me you're being selfish. Don't just tell me you're emotionally unavailable to me. Like, tell me specifically what you would like me to do with that which you are sharing with me after we've read the temperament God gave us and after we've looked at our love languages. And finally, just again, examine your spiritual life. Like, the way you pray affects the way you live. And so if you can give God more in prayer, then you can also go out of yourself and sacrifice more with people as well. In any relationship, we, we got to give, we got to take. So there's something for you to sacrifice, certainly, but there's also a place for him to sacrifice as well because you just might not be a real touchy-feely person. And if that's not your personality, then you shouldn't change to make him feel good about himself. Right? He needs to learn to love you as you are. Uh, you're a gift. And so uh, just don't, yeah, don't trip too much. So hopefully that was helpful for you as well. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into our final question. Don't forget, you can write me your questions, comments, and critiques at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. Every one of us is made in the image of God. We are unique, worthy of love, and called to greatness. In this world, though, we can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note. And you can also remember to rate us and review us on iTunes, other podcast formats, and share us on your social media pages. Final question comes in from Anonymous, and this question is about daily mass. Anonymous writes this. Dear Father Josh, I discovered your podcast only two weeks ago, and I thought, what have I been missing for the past year? As a high school theology teacher in my 20s, I'm excited about the ways you have already influenced my own spiritual life, and I'm even more energized about the ways you can transform my students' lives. Your method of evangelization is what many iGeners and millennials need to return to the church. Keep it up. My question is about daily mass and personal prayer time. I struggle with knowing how to balance these two things in my life. On really busy days during the school year, is it better to prioritize mass or personal prayer time? It seems to me that since we are receiving Jesus at Mass, then Mass should always take priority over personal prayer time. But I've also heard that personal prayer time each day outside of Mass should be the priority, and that if we only have time for one, we should choose personal prayer over Mass, daily Mass. On the other hand, during my free days during the summer, should I be attending Mass every day since I can? I generally attend at least two days a week, but struggle with guilt on the days when I do not go. Some days I decide it would be less convenient since I want to sleep or avoid traffic, but these seem like bad excuses for not going to Mass every day. If I truly believe Jesus is present at Mass, shouldn't I be craving to receive Him each day? Sometimes I feel like a hypocrite since I tell my students of the blessings of daily Mass, but still only attend two out of the five days of a week, even when my schedule would allow me to go all five days. 
Am I being too scrupulous in my thinking, or is it really the sin of sloth keeping me from attending Mass each day anonymous? Yeah, so um, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if it's a sin of sloth or not, so I'm just going to share with you what I think. I, I spent some time praying with this. Gosh, first thing, it's not a commandment from God or the church that you have to go to Mass every day, right? The Lord commands that we worship Him certainly on Sunday, right? That's definitely what the Lord expects of us. If we love him, we will worship him on Sunday. However, daily mass is 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 a gift. It's a gift and but it's not a commandment. And so since God and the church don't give us that commandment, you don't have to give it to yourself. If you can make it to daily mass, that's great. But if you if you can't make it to daily mass, th- that's not a problem. If you can make it to daily mass and you choose not to go, it's not necessarily a sin, right? This is not a teaching of the church that you have to go to daily mass. It's just a pure gift that could help you become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Yes, some people do say that um, personal meditation, when I say meditation, I don't mean new age practice. I mean meditation like chewing on the Gospels, right? Chewing on the Gospels, um, discerning with the Holy Spirit, what does this passage of Scripture say to me? Having that intentional conversation with the Lord, that can only help your experience of daily Mass. And so, like, if you can't go to daily Mass because you discern, like, this is not what I'm feeling called to right now in the season of my life, then yeah, like maybe you have like three or four days a week where you spend a lot more time in meditation, and then the other two days during the week, Thursday and Friday or Tuesday and Thursday or Monday and Wednesday or whatever those days might be, those days you you lessen your meditation time and you add daily mass on your calendar. If you're not going daily mass simply because you don't want to get caught in traffic or you you want to sleep in, I mean, it's not a bad thing to sleep in. But I think you just have to discern, like, what am I also cutting out my meditation, like my personal relationship with Jesus Christ? If that's the case, if you're also not praying, I would say that's slothful. But if you're at least praying during the week, then daily mass is just a pure gift. It's just a pure gift and an invitation from the Lord for you to worship him, for you to grow in holiness. But I don't think the Lord ever desires for you to feel shame or to feel guilt because there might be a couple of days that go by in the week and you choose to not go to daily mass. Like That is not a commandment from from God. Um, you know, it, it could take a huge chunk out of your time on a traffic day to drive to mass, to go to mass, to drive back. And that time could have been spent in, in adoration or that time could have been spent in Lexio Divina with the sacred scriptures that if you do that every day, when you do choose to go to mass outside of Sundays, those days, your experience of worship can be heightened because you're extra sensitive to his word because of the time you're spending with him chewing on his word outside of worship. Remember, mass is not, not a place where we actually get to have a lot of personal prayer. It's more communal worship. Um, it's not a place for personal meditation. That's like outside of Mass. That's reserved for silence, interior silence. That's reserved for space that's set apart, set aside with you and God alone, not with the whole community. So it's really up for you to discern. I think the Lord wants you to be free. The Lord does not want you to be a slave to scrupulosity and um, into feeling like he's going to be mad at you. Remember, the Lord sees you. The Lord knows you. The Lord loves you. The Lord delights in you. The Lord chooses you. The Lord calls you his beloved son. And that's and that's really beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I hope that's helpful for you. Let me know what you think. But again, daily mass is awesome. As a priest, I go to mass every day and I do meditation every day. But that's because it's conducive for my walk of life. As a layperson, it might not be conducive for you at all times. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I know I'm, I feel like I'm kind of rambling right now, so I'm just going to stop. But, yeah, so it's not a commandment. Just, just let's be clear. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free to worship him, right? Be free to worship him. Don't feel like I'm just going to go because, you know, it's a good thing to go. Go because the Lord invites you to go. Um, 
Yeah. So that's what I'll say. Let me know if that was helpful. I, I just I want I want you to be a saint, and I don't want you to let the enemy like speak lies and tempt you with discouragement. So yeah, God bless you. Whenever you feel those temptations of discouragement, just quote scripture. So get behind me, Satan. Not today. Not today, bro. Not today. All right. So that's our show for today. Don't forget to pray for me as I pray for you and to keep hitting me up with your questions, comments, and critiques so that we can continue to walk with each other toward eternity, toward becoming the particular saints that God desires for us to be. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, I ask that you give us the grace to just be able to perceive in a tangible way, in a concrete way, through your scriptures and through our time with your word inscribed, the Bible, how much you delight in us. I feel right now, I feel right now drawn to Hosea. Um, my Bible's not in front of me, Jesus, but you know, and I know what the prophet Hosea wrote about being drawn with cords of love, with bands of love to you. And so, Lord, I know you're constantly drawing us with love, with love, not with fear, but with love to fix our eyes upon your face so that we can listen to your voice, speak truth to our hearts of who we are and whose we are, your beloved sons, your beloved daughters, your gifts to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Huh. That's enough right there to chew on for the next hour, God. We are a gift from you to Jesus. Oh, you're so good, Lord. You're so good. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. All right, y'all. Go in peace. Peace.